that's a huge area where uh, there's a very small number of companies that dominate the space and is absolutely ripe for disruption. Hello, Matthew Grant here. Thank you for allowing me to join you on your morning commute, at the gym, on your run, in the car, or wherever else you're listening from. This week, I'm talking again to Bernard Goida. Bernard's a journalist with Insurance Insider, and he's currently on a posting to New York, having been the Insurance Insider's technology correspondent in London. We spoke last June, shortly after he'd arrived in the US. Now, like all good journalists, Bernard has rapidly developed a fantastic network of contacts in the industry, in the UK and in the US. And he often has some unique insights into breaking news and the stories behind the stories. And in this episode, he shares some with us. The areas we cover include checking in on the insurtech companies he likes, but also look at some of the more established companies, including the reasons why MGAs and brokers are proving such attractive targets and hence very high prices being paid for acquisitions. Casualty insurance looks to be an area we're going to hear a lot more about in the year ahead. And Bernard also has some suggestions for other areas of the market that still represent opportunities for anyone looking for ideas for the next company they may want to start. And he's also rather bullish on the ability of Lloyds to return to profitability this year. We were over 3,000 miles apart for this interview and the audio wobbles in a couple of places, but Pete's done his usual magic, so hang in there. Bernard, great to be talking again. It's um, about six months since we were last, or you were last on the podcast, and you almost made it onto our leaderboard, but I'm afraid you were just a fractionally below number 15. So maybe next time around, you'll be uh, higher up in the ranking. <laughs> Good to hear. Good. We've got a bunch of things to talk about, but just before we do, I just noticed you got some some breaking news up on the Insider website. So perhaps you should just talk yes. about that. Yes. So, uh, so Martha Notaris and Tom Hutton of Excel Innovate fame have joined a new fund, uh, which is very exciting. Looks like, according to an SEC filing, that they've raised around two hundred million. Brewer Lane, the fund is called. And I think it's really good news for the for the sector, really, because they're both hugely talented investors that have really made their mark in the space in companies like Cape Analytics. Lemonade famously benefited a lot from uh, from the Excel Innovates team's expertise. And I think they'll probably continue to uh, be very interesting to see what they invest in next. And I think it's a good kind of signal for the InsurTech community, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they know probably as much or more than most people do Tom was my first boss at RMS and I've known Martha for many years and I, you know, it's great to see them back in action. And uh, as everyone knows, and actually Martha even listens to some of these podcasts, knows that uh, she, she calls it as she sees it, which is very refreshing sometimes. Although I do feel sorry for people sometimes against her on a panel because they, they get the full brunt of her, uh, her views. But no, it's great to see the team back in action again. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and yeah, Chris, uh, their principals also, also Chris Down has also joined as well. Good. Well, I just wanted to catch up with what's been going going on over in the US since you you moved over there. Obviously, just coming out of the end of the year. Yeah, there's there's, there's been quite a lot of action out here on the insurance side of things, and I think I'll kind of just talk about a few themes that that people in the London market and uh, people in the US kind of might be interested in. So I think we'll look at the casualty market as a as a bit of a case study, what's going on there, and maybe we could talk a bit about wildfires as well. Well, just before we do that, I just wanted to chat a little bit about renewals because why most of us are offering time with our family and taking a bit of downtime the reinsurance guys are all madly rushing around trying to close out the end of the year and and, and yet again this year the end of year renewals have been uh, quite revealing in some cases 
So insurance companies buy insurance themselves and they buy them from reinsurers. And uh, like any, any ordinary auto policy or anything else, that policy lasts for a year. And uh, for many big insurers, especially in the US, they uh, tend to buy their insurance on an annual basis. And so come 1st of January, everyone needs to buy new insurance. And the question, the big question on everyone's lips was, what's the, what's the price of this renewal going to be? And there was a lot of talk about rates going up a lot, especially um, because the guys, the reinsurers themselves buy insurance from the retro market, were putting in punishing rate increases. And it seems like it's a bit of a damp squip. I think the reinsurers were disappointed and the insurers were happy uh, about how the renewal went in general because there were kind of modest rate increases so up five percent or so that's because there's just so much capital in reinsurance and it's a bit of a commodity product it's just you're selling you're selling kind of dumb capacity and if you if you've got an a a plus rated a plus rated paper then it's all it's all much for muchness now i'm sure uh reinsurance executives would beg to differ and would be able to talk about how great their claims performance is and a lot of the big guys the munich reasons swiss reasons of this world get incredibly involved in um, primary underwriting as well and technology and there's a lot of areas that reinsurers can add value but purely from a pricing point of view i think there's, uh, it's a very competitive market, and those competitive forces have meant that the renewal at 1-1, the rate increases were maybe not as ingre- aggressive as some people hoped. You mentioned at the beginning there something, something's going on in casualty. I guess, again, just for the benefit of those that you know, aren't necessarily totally up, up to speed with their insurance lingo, it might be useful just yeah. to explain what casualty so market actually is. Insurers basically um, pay, uh, cover people uh, in case they get sued. And in America, people just love suing each other. So things get really, things can get incredibly expensive incredibly easily because of the litigious environment. Now, companies, uh, people like Walmart and other big companies will buy hundreds of millions of dollars of what we call casualty insurance from the excess casualty market, which is in places like Bermuda. It's in the US. And it's also, of course, in London and Lloyd's, although there's actually a lot less of that excess casualty business happening in Lloyd's at the moment, because I think people are kind of stepping away because they're, they're, they're seeing huge claims in the excess casualty market. And that's caused quite chunky rate increases, sometimes as high as 100%, 200% for the challenged areas. So things like wildfire liability. And the worst of the worst is actually commercial auto. That's because of there's been big settlements whenever people get killed by trucks. Uh, they go to a no-win, no-fee lawyer who says, well, this is a commercial vehicle. It'll have a lot of insurance on it. And we need to get our hands on it. So there's been a bunch of hundred million dollar plus claims for a single single person getting killed in an accident. What people expected to pay from some of these these incidents, um, and what people were paying ten years ago or five years ago, and that's what they based all their calculations on, have just become totally out of whack. People have been underwriting commercial auto in a completely incorrect way. And I think from an insure tech point of view, there's a huge opportunity here when it comes to analytics and when it comes to actually underwriting properly because. There's a, there's a complete crisis in the commercial auto market in the US uh, at the excess layers. So that's anything above a million dollars of excess auto insurance. But where do you see the opportunity from insure type point of view? Is that on, on analytics or on capacity or a bit of both? Is understanding the data flow from specifically, like if you take heavy duty trucks, for instance, under US law now, under federal law, you have to send data about you know, how, how, how much the truck's driving, that data's collected anyway. And that's to stop drivers kind of driving over hours and driving unsafely and things like that. So now what's happening is we're starting to see insurtechs actually get their hands on some of that data and they're able to pull that back. 
the other thing you're seeing is uh, telematics companies like Mo, um, Cambridge Mobile Telematics, who had a half a billion investment from SoftBank. Those guys are now uh, out there, and they're in the commercial auto space as well as the um, as well as the personal lines auto space. So, in personal lines, they've been working with people like State Farm, and now last year they signed a deal with Nationwide to introduce their technology for fleets. And I think that's a that's a really that's a real really important area to watch. Certainly, progressive which is one of the biggest auto riders in the US, has now introduced this, this technology for, for trucks. And I think this is a way of addressing some of these underwriting issues. Um, at least if you can get the data on where a truck is and how the accident happens, then you should be able to stop claims getting totally out of control. And maybe you know, that's about paying claims swiftly as well. Yeah, no, they're really interesting. Uh, hopefully a more successful investment for SoftBank than, than the money they put into, into WeWork. And then you had, you had wildfires in there. Obviously, that's very topical as we're talking with what's going on in Australia, but there have been some big losses in the US. And I think also just with the, the PG&E loss from, or the liability from the wildfires earlier on is another area for casualty where I don't know how much of that was actually insured. And that in itself talks to a sort of challenge in that you know, people don't always think about wildfire as being a liability loss. It tends to be more of a physical loss. But Yeah, and in California, it is a liability loss now. And that's, and that's been a huge, huge problem for the market. And uh, there's been billions of dollars moving around um, in increasingly complex areas. A lot of it going to the hands of lawyers and hedge fund ma- managers and people like that who are able to kind of arbitrage some of these claims. But really, the, the kind of big theme from an insurtech point of view is about underwriting. It's about understanding the the risk better, understanding how close uh, your the house you're insuring is to the wildfire area. And there's there's a lot of uh, companies that are good at this. I mean, Cape Analytics is one, but there's a whole bunch of companies that are that are out there doing this kind of work where you to to use use artificial intelligence to analyze data sets so you can actually properly price wildfire risk. Although when we were talking earlier, you did you, you did raise a concern or an observation perhaps that we're getting a little bit commoditized around satellite imagery or aerial imagery. Yeah, I mean, and and this is a broader point around any uh, kind of big data provider. I think when I was going around uh, in Shortech Connect in Las Vegas in uh, early this year in, this, in in the autumn, I was to source how many of these companies, including some really big systems integrators, were kind of uh, pretending to be you know these these data. And I'm sure you know they are. I'm sure they've got big computers that are analyzing this data, but they're effectively all buying it from the same satellite providers. And I think if your business model is about buying something from somebody else and then doing something to it and then selling it on for a bit more money, your value is going to get increasingly questioned by people in the industry. You really need to, you really need to be doing something pretty remarkable to that data. Because obviously, if your clients are insurers, well, Insurers have plenty of data scientists. In fact, they've had them for hundreds of years. They're called actuaries. So, so you need to be able to you need to be able to um, be doing something quite special to that data if you if you want to be um, in the game. And certainly, there's there's a there's a lot of companies out there in that space. And I think it's an increasingly commoditized area. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Cape because I, I was interviewing Ryan Costenti for one of the earlier podcasts. He's the CEO of Cape Analytics. And, you know, one of the things he specifically talked about was how they provide confidence scores around their data. So it's not just providing that sort of binary information, but helping people and particularly the actuaries understand, which is you know, it's often the case with this data, it's not perfect. And people need to understand what the uncertainty is to really make valid decisions with it. And I think you made an interesting comment in one of your articles that, that you know, no matter how good the data is, if you're writing bad business or underpriced business, then ultimately you're going you're to lose. 
So one, one prediction I'm going to make, and I could be wrong on this one, is that at Lloyd's, the combined ratio will be um, below 100 for the first time in a few years for the full year of 2019, um, when those results get released um, in a couple of months uh, for, for the full year. That's probably a sign that people are taking underwriting a lot more seriously than I think they did in the past. If you take the marine market, for example, people were using quite old-fashioned techniques in terms of how they actually underwrote risks on the insure tech side. You've seen the likes of Windward um, and um, Conserus and those kind of companies actually starting to be much more involved in, in, the, in the kind of underwriting side of it. And I think it'd be really interesting to see if that's had an effect on the, on the Lloyd's market specifically. It's interesting how it's those markets that are all those lines of business that are actually way behind. I mean, not surprisingly, but you know, the speed of adoption has been quite encouraging in terms of using technology. So there's a much more ability to make a difference versus there's areas where the underwriters are already pretty sophisticated. You know, reinsurance, they traditionally have yeah, been very analytical. So the marginal difference of bringing in new analytics is less than somewhere like Marine, where they, as you say, they were doing it very simplistically before. So what about in terms of this sort of what we're seeing with the MGAs? We had some very large uh, fundraisers. We saw Pure being acquired by Tokyo Marine for 3.1 billion, which I think was 33 times projected earnings, which you know, for MGA is, is, is massive. Do you think that trend is going to continue into the year ahead? That's all about private equity, really. Basically, private equity firms and um, absolutely love insurance brokers and MGAs because every year you get the same business that comes back to you, basically. People, uh, those investors absolutely love this kind of annuity income you get from these businesses. And it's much more capital efficient. That's going to continue happening, I think, as long as the price of credit is cheap. As long as credit is cheap and uh, the economy is doing well, uh, then you're going to continue to see huge multiples uh, for MGAs and and huge valuations, and that's that's going to be a, a pos- that's going to be positive for insurtech valuations. So the likes of Lemonade and things. Um, so 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 I think that that's that's definitely something that's to continue. The caveat is there's another recession and uh, uh, credit starts going into default and people kind of hit the rocks and stuff. Then uh, that could all come tumbling down. Uh, but at the moment, it seems things are going quite well, particularly in the US, and the economy is steaming along. And what about some more of the pure tech plays? So you know, where, where a company doesn't, isn't operating as an MGA, it's not trying to be a broker, hasn't got its own capacity, it's just providing the, the tools and analytics and data. I mean, a lot of people have been talking a lot about AI. Yeah, I think almost every company these days has got AI somewhere on its website. Are you seeing opportunities coming out that are going to be some of the big stories for the year ahead? Those that have been successful in providing a real service for insurers are going to be the ones that do well. Um, so, and it's the ones that are kind of already in the market. So in, in London, you've got digital fine print. I think it's going to be a big year for them. And in, in the US, you've got people like GroundSpeed who basically are able to ingest huge volume of documents. Um, and this could be kind of old policy documents. This could be bits of paper and then turn that information into something that's that's readable and useful uh, for insurers. So I think in certainly commercial insurance and reinsurance, I think it's going to be a huge topic, especially now we've got all these prior year claims coming back to haunt people. So it's often horrible things like sexual abuse in uh, schools and churches. Those claims are now reopened because of legal changes that have happened to now allow victims to get compensation. If you're a startup that's, that's, that can help an insurer find a bit of paper somewhere in a warehouse um, and then digitally ingest that bit of paper and come up with a number of, uh, for, uh, say, a policy limit, um, then, then that's something that could be really useful. 
that long tail, which I, mean, the, the, I guess the sort of worst example of that in previous history was as, as best as before they had all that ability to go and digitize the risk. So yeah, it does sound like you could get a sort of some real surge of, of losses. Because I guess if that data is known to be there and someone starts to digitize it, then they've it's kind of easier to get hold of. Exactly. Yeah. And this is, is it the next asbestos? With asbestos, it was just that one thing. In the US, it's a, store, it's a whole bunch of different things. So it's the opioid crisis, it's sexual abuse, and even kind of there's newer scandals, stuff like the Juul, um, which is a, a, an e-cigarette that all the kids have been smoking in the school toilets. That, that became the very, a very fashionable thing. And, and now lots of children are addicted to smoking and have various heart conditions and all that kind of stuff that, according to, um, there's been lots of lawsuits around that. Uh, and then the other thing you, you mentioned before was you, you feel that, that carriers and brokers are going to continue to assert dominance. For sort of, we've moved from insurtech's disruption to or disruptors, insurtech to partners. What's going to happen in that space? I think the cover wallet deal is the uh, is a is a bit of a signal here. So that's Aon kind of muscling in. If you want to know what that deal was for, when Aon's regulatory disclosure for the year comes out in the next couple of months, uh, we should, that number should we should be able to find that number and, and put it out to you guys. But it's a I think that's 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 a really interesting sign of an incumbent um, kind of gobbling up an insure tech, and um, I think that's definitely something that's going to be happening more and more. And uh, for founders, that's great news. Yeah, definitely an exit strategy that I think is not quite unique to insurance, but it's an option that a lot of, sort of startups in the tech world don't really have. So it sort of reduces some of the, the risk. I would be a bit wary. It's a tough gig sometimes if you get acquired by a massive company. I heard a rumor that, uh, that one, a big European carrier uh, acquired a startup um, and uh, kind of day one, uh, they said, oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Great to be here. So um, we'd like to hire these five developers, please. And the insurer turned around and said, well, we've got a hiring freeze at the moment, so we can't hire anyone. <laughs> yeah, they don't stick around very long when that happens, do they? You sort of find you bought an empty, an empty company at some point. Good. And then the other one you mentioned was um, TPAs or third-party administrators. That's gonna, you're going to see some changes there as well? I think people at venture funds and incubators and stuff are always basically trying to work out, okay, what are people not doing? What are the opportunities that exist out there? And um, one of the biggest cost centers in the industry is paying all these third-party claims administrators to sort out all your claims because you're too lazy to do it, Mr. Insurance Carry. Um, and it's not quite as simple as that, but, but really that's a huge area where uh, there's a very small number of companies that dominate the space and is absolutely ripe for disruption. And there have been uh, a company called Dropin was quite successful doing um, getting, getting people to um, video kind of claims and, and have kind of much quicker claims adjusting. And, and I think that whole space disrupting the third-party claims administrators is going to be a really interesting area. Uh, the company that can do it, I think, um, will save insurers a lot of money and um, potentially those, those savings can be passed on to customers as well. Before we wrap up, um, anything else we haven't touched on you think is worth uh, talking about? Interesting time for cyber, big test of the cyber market. We're seeing more and more cyber MGAs start up, including businesses that kind of were originally set up as um, as data companies and consultancies kind of moving into underwriting. So I think that's quite an interesting trend. And one I'd like to flag is RCO, which is a, um, a company backed by, um, by Peter Thiel's venture fund. And I think that they've raised a big, big what of cash, nearly $40 million and, and uh, hired some big names in the industry. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. And that trend of, of people, people who originally set up data companies setting up MGAs and people who originally set up MGAs going off to set up insurance companies and, and moving nearly everyone now is, is, is saying, right, we're going to have a, um, we're going to build an insurance company, um, 
even if they start at the MGA level. I think that's the other trend that's going to continue into 2020. Yeah, I started at MGAs and then, and then going up the capacity and become an insurer, but like, but like Zigo's done over here in the UK. Finally, if, if anybody wants to sort of talk to you about what they've got going on. Yeah, uh, I would say tweet me is probably the best. I am at Bernard Goider, uh, which is just my name, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-G-O-Y-D-E-R. And um, yeah, hit me up uh, on Twitter. Yeah, we're really interested to see what people out there are doing in the insure tech market. Uh, my focus in the US, but my colleague in London is Anna Sagar, um, and she's, uh, she's, she's often at Instec. Excellent. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see you back at, back at our events. They've changed a bit since your last set. It's getting, getting bigger and bigger all the time, and we're doing breakfast, dinners, and evening events, as well as all the stuff going on in the background. So whenever you're over, you know, tap us up again, and you know, we'll find a way to get some more FaceTime, which would be, would be excellent. But no, congratulations on getting your arms around the, the market and the sort of differences between the US and, and the UK. It gives you a really unique position, I think, to sort of see which ones are yeah, pulling ahead. It's great. Well, thank you very much. Well, if you enjoyed that, you can follow Bernard Goider and his colleagues at Insurance Insider. You can also hear directly from some of the companies we talked about, Cape Analytics, Concirus, Lloyds, in previous podcast interviews we've done. And also look out for my discussions with Eric Abrahamson of Digital Fine Print and Martha Torres coming up soon. If you're interested in how the companies are performing on the Instec London podcast leaderboard, you'll find a link to that and a lot more in the episode notes. To learn more about what we're up to at Instec London and the stuff you think is worth drawing your attention to, take a look at www.instec.london, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn. And of course, if you like what you hear, please do spread the word. <laughs>